You're listening to Crip Podcast. For show notes, discussions and other links, please visit crip.io. Today we are having the great pleasure of introducing our first podcast guest in this series, Marisa Moneira. Hi, Marisa. Hi, how are you? Good I'm morning. Fine, thank you. Good morning. Uh, Good. Marisa, please tell us a little bit about yourself and what makes you climb up to bed in the morning. Sure. Um, I uh, am a technical writer for Viacom at the moment, but um, although I didn't really start out as a technical writer, in my career, I start, started out as a software developer a long time ago, and I won't even tell you how long ago <laughs> because that <laughs> will date me. Okay. But these days, I uh, go to work for Viacom, and I think that it's a very exciting job that mm-hmm. I do. It it gives me the opportunity to learn quite a bit about what Viacom does and what their uh, their applications are what applications are developing, and and it's a it's a very exciting company to work for, um, and a, a very exciting industry, the entertainment industry, and I'm happy to be there. Cool. For for, for those who who doesn't know Wirecom, um, c- could you tell us something more about the company? Um. um yeah, sure. It's an entertainment. Um, I, I like to think of it as a conglomerate. It's it's the company that actually owns. It's like an umbrella company, I guess. It owns several brands um, in the entertainment uh, field. So, like for example, it owns Paramount Studios and uh, the network. Yeah, the CBS network. And so pretty, pretty big clients there. Yeah. Yes, yes, very much so. And um, for for Viacom Media Networks, though, which is what the the part of Viacom that I actually work for, mm-hmm. it it um, it has several TV networks under that umbrella, and that includes MTV, which is I guess the biggest one, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, and a lot of other things, Bet TV which is also big. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of other networks that I can't even remember <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, but I think you um, listed the, the biggest ones, right? Yes, that's mm-hmm. correct. Cool. So a technical writer, um, how, how do you, um, since you have a developer background, mm-hmm. I guess that's that is helping you quite a bit uh, when you when you do the technical writing, correct? Yes, exactly. Um, actually, I think that's that technical background is what got me this job, because, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I was a software developer for a long time. I I uh, started out uh, developing systems for mainframe applications. So, although you know, um, I stopped working for a bit. Um, I, I did the stay stay at home mom bit, you know. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> taking care of my daughter as she was growing up. Um, and so uh, I found that as the years went by, it got harder and harder for me to get back into software development because, you know, the technology has just grown so much in in a short span of time mm. that it's hard to keep up. So, but but you know, once you have that technical background, I think um, that helps quite a bit in in getting a job 
in other areas of software development. So for a while there, I was trying to get into business analysis. Mm -hmm. And I did get a business analyst job for a little bit. And then um, I was back in the market. I was looking for a job. And the recruiters called me and said, you know, we have this opening at Viacom. It's for a technical writer. Do you think you might be interested in it? Mm -hmm. And um, in the intervening years, you know, after I quit software development, I was doing a lot of writing because that's really a skill that I think um, it, it's been uh, like more like a hobby of mine. Um, and it's a skill that I have that I think gives me an edge over other um, candidates. Um, and and I think the combination of the writing um, experience that I have, I used to write um, game reviews and previews and um, interviews with, with game developers for IGN. So I think it's the combination of that skill and my technical background that got me the job. Uh, so you're right. It, it does help me quite a bit, the, that technical background. Yeah, but uh, in which kind of languages did you uh, develop? Uh, oh, yeah, the old ones. <laughs> yeah, the old ones, um, the Pearls. Yeah, and... Cobol yeah, and oh, okay. TB2 and CACS. Yeah, yep. okay. Uh, okay, I understand. Yeah. But uh, as you said, the, um, the uh, community of development is actually growing so fast that you actually have mm -hmm. to to uh, follow up each day and each uh, hour because there's always yeah. something happening something and I, uh, right. I experienced that as well because you can just um, be laid off for one month and you just yeah um, lose the sense of um, where yeah. stuff is and, going right and in my case, you know, it's not just uh, the fact that a lot. I mean, not a lot of th things or not a lot of changes have happened in COBOL itself or GB2 no, no, itself yeah. or CSS, but it's it's the whole environment. You mm. know, um, everything went client server, and mm. it's not not a lot of companies have um, what they call the legacy systems now. Mm. <laughs> so legacy COBOL and GB2, yeah. those are like legacy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are old old technology. Old stuff, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but, but Marissa, even though the, uh, you you quit programming for a long time ago, uh, mm -hmm. does it happen sometimes that you, you know, spend a night hacking away on uh, on some new things or um, um, try some development for time from time to time? Yeah, um, actually, after I quit my job, um, I I got a hobby uh, because I was very interested in games. I used to play games a lot. I I still play them, but not not so much anymore. I don't okay. have time for it anymore. But but been? because of my interest in gaming, um, I actually started a blog. I don't think I ever told you this, Victor. But mm. I yeah I. Um, I used to write. I, actually, the the domain is still up, but mm -hmm. I haven't done much uh, with my female gamer website. So yeah, um, well, it's it, a, would, it would be great to, if we can uh, link to that in the descriptions. Uh, yeah, I think there's something wrong with the website right now. The link yeah, doesn't okay. work, but uh, but I can. You know, once I have it up and running yeah. again, I'll, I'll give you the link. Right. So anyway, um, I used to blog about games and that sort of thing. And so I, I set up the website myself. So for that, I had to learn, you know, HTML and PHP mm. and MySQL, which is really like DB2. You know, it's yeah. not a whole lot different. So um, uh, and then I, I used those technologies, I, I, which I learned pretty much by myself. Um, on a WordPress uh, 
website actually and uh, you know um, kept myself abreast of new technologies as well uh, I guess you know once a techie you're always a techie <laughs> true, true. but you, you haven't been interested in game development since since you're uh, south not not really you know what um for a while i i was thinking of going into game development so i started you know looking into learning c sharp and c++ because that seems to be or at at least at the time that seemed to be like you know the the language that most game developers used but um but then i realized you know that i would have to be starting from the from the bottom again as you as you you know, as you will, from the bottom of the the ladder and then working myself my way up again. And mm. I thought it would probably be better for me to use my other skills and and build those up. And, um, you know, so I, for a while I worked in, like I said, in um, game journalism. Mm. I, I wrote reviews and, and all that for, for um, uh Predominantly IGN, IGN PC, but I also actually I started out um, as a volunteer for several fan sites, gaming fan sites. So uh, for a while, I ran a fan fan site as well myself. Oh, nice for an MMO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have so many, so many um, interests that it's hard for me to focus on one. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's great that you can actually have two passions. That you you begun with um, the developing and then. Uh, when you actually got back into climbing the ladder up, you actually found mm -hmm. another passion that you uh, are working with today. And that's really interesting and great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. But t t tell me a little bit more about like the, g the game reviewing that you've done. H how did that work? Basically, they, they sent you a game and you ha had um, it for a couple of weeks and... Well, n not really. It didn't work out that way because I um, I'd already been an MMO gamer, a very active MMO gamer, mm -hmm. and I just played them all. And uh, we're talking about the year, I'm trying to think, I think it was around 2009 when I was writing for IGN. Mm -hmm. And that was the year that MMOs were just um, coming out like at the rate of three a year. And, and that's big. That's a big number, considering you know how MMOs work. It's yeah. it takes them about five years to develop uh, one big game like that. Okay. So, so at that time, um, IGN did not have a full time MMO writer, so they needed someone who more or less knew the field, knew about MMOs, was um, a veteran, quote unquote, <laughs> at <laughs> MMOs, and could could give them a review, you know, they, they just tell me, okay, this game is coming out, uh, can you preview it, or can you go interview this developer, we've set up the, the appointment for you, just go and interview him, and, you know, um, and write about it, so that's what I did for them. So, Marissa, you, you've done a lot of development in the past, mm -hmm. um, but I also remember that you mentioned that you've done some some testing, some software right. testing. Uh -huh. um, could you tell us a little bit more about about that? What did you do more specifically? Sure. Um, uh, in the course of my system development um, experience, I was involved in all phases of the uh, system development lifecycle, actually, which, of course, included testing and QA testing and all that. Um, 
So, but I think uh, what I mentioned to you the other day was more about the testing that I did for a game company, which I don't think I can mention because I, I signed an NDA with them, but <laughs> but I can tell you what kind of game it was. It was an iPad game. Okay. Um, uh, well, uh, not not specifically for iPad because I, I know it also ran on um, Android uh, devices, but it was a tablet game and it was uh, like a strategy game. So I did, did some testing for them, uh, and uh, but it was a limited kind of testing. So they just gave us test scripts and said, "Okay, guys, you know these are what you need to test for," and that's all. So that was very limited. But but um, I think the more um, rigorous testing that I've done in my uh, career as a software developer was more of a system-wide test, you know, making sure that all the pieces of the system worked mm. and, um, and that it would pass um, user acceptance. Yeah, because I, uh, I have no experience with testing in the gaming uh, community, but um, how is uh-huh. it actually, is it that you said... Uh, running a couple of scripts and not actually testing the whole game? Um, it was testing the whole game, you know, uh, yeah. practically all, all of the features. But I was actually surprised that they were very, um, very uh, methodical about it. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, game testing was just a matter of playing the game and finding the bugs in it. But that's actually not how it worked. They had scripts. They had, you know, uh, for for this feature, these are the things that you need to test for. And I thought that was impressive, yeah. you know, that that it was very thorough. Yeah, really, because, um, but how do you see the collaboration bete- between the testers and developers in in the gaming? Um, um, I think it's a very, uh, very close and symbiotic relationship, yeah. you know. Um, uh, the testers rely heavily on, on I mean, the, the developers rely heavily on game testers to touch yeah test each and every feature for them because mm. I think it's because they work very closely with the code and I, and I know this as a developer too you work very closely with the code and you tend to um, stick to testing those parts that that um, that you know will work yeah. or you know that that's how the program is supposed to work so you test it that way but when you give it to a tester who's never seen um the code, and they don't even know what it's supposed to do. They just know these are the things that I need to test for. Yeah. They tend to find more more bugs with it, more problems. Because they they come in with fresh eyes, right? Yes, uh-huh, exactly, okay. nice. exactly. I thought yeah. it was yep. the other way around. No, no. I think it's because the coders are really, like I said, you know, they're they're very focused on what it is they're working on, and yeah. that's the part that they they tend to test. Okay. They don't tend to test outside of it. At least you know from my experience, it's that's mm-hmm. how I think it works, and that's why they need the testers. Yeah, and so, and sometimes I believe it's it's uh, e- even even a tester can can stare himself blind on 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 a piece of software uh, mm-hmm. after a while. Uh, so it, sometimes you know I bring. I bring my mom over to to, to my desk, <laughs> really? whatever. Ask uh-huh. her, "Hey, could you take a look at this piece of software? Could you try yeah. the uh, login yeah. button, for instance?" Mm-hmm. And she might have a tr- trouble finding the login button for yeah. some reason, and and mm-hmm. it could be because of the fact that the login button is in uh, is in the 
bottom right corner instead of the top right corner, which should yeah. have more intuitive and, and uh, UX-wise more correct. Yeah, there's actually a UX um, concept that says design for your mother. Um, so oh, really? <laughs> so that's actually a great um, uh, feature to, uh, to use uh, to test your software. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that. And you're 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 all of it. You're the full stack tester. You're a mother, and you're a tester, and you're a developer. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, this is true, but I think that's uh, the idea. There is probably uh, you know to get someone who's not very uh, tech savvy, and to get them to try it out and see if they can figure it out. I think that's uh, yeah. Yeah, That's what said, the, the user the experience is, is about. From the, the each point of view, right? Right, right. Yeah. So, so Marisa, uh, for me, tester, the collaboration between testers and developers in, in the software industry is a key factor for mm-hmm. success. I believe it's really important. Um, you told, Marisa, you told us that, that you, you worked uh, too, uh, closely as a tester, um, in the gaming industry with mm-hmm. the developers. Yeah. Uh, but what about actual software development when it comes to actual software, not gaming? Right. Um, right. Um, you know, when I first started out in the industry, there wasn't a clear-cut, um, like, tester role, as it were. Um, from my experience, anyway, the, the developers, testing was done by the developers on their own code, so that was unit testing. Mm-hmm. And then there was sort of like a systems analyst uh, role that did, that, that tested the system end-to-end. And, and, then, and then it was the users. So we would turn it over to the users, and then the users would test it and do their own user acceptance testing. There was no QA or QC group that did just testing the, the end-to-end and then, and then um, you know, trying to, trying to make sure that the business requirements were actually being met by the, by the software. Mm. So I think that has evolved a lot in, in recent years. And we now have like a, a dedicated tester group that works really closely with developers and, and even does, you know, iterative testing. Um, so they, they test it and they give it back and, and the developers make changes and give it back to the testers. And I think that's a great thing. Yeah. I think there's, um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's again, a, a very, a relationship that's really very symbiotic. It, it, uh, it's, you know, they're very dependent on each other. Totally. Totally. But, um, uh, as uh, we discussed last week is that in Sweden, I, Felt mm-hmm. that the, there's some kind of hierarchy in the in the developing and testing community because um, sometimes it feels like if you're a tester, you're at the bottom of the hierarchy. Do you, do you know what I mean? Uh-huh, uh huh. Right. There's some sort of um, status that if you're a tester, you're just the one that complains and um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. And I understand. As, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and as a developer, sometimes you feel like. Um, are you here to just complain about my code or are you here to test so that mm-hmm. the software works? And and yeah. I feel that's a, quite an attitude problem that I don't know if you had that in, in uh, the States. But Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I've yeah. seen that happen too. You know, uh, usually coders, they have, uh, I guess it's their own pride in, mm-hmm. in their work, you know, and they think, oh, I've tested this. My code is perfect. Yeah. So when the tester comes along and tells him that there's, there's a problem with it, there's a bug, they, they feel sort of offended sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's normal. I think it's very natural to feel that way. And, um, you know, it, it, it's not just because this is a tester. It's anybody who, oh. who dares to tell him exactly. that there's something wrong with his code. Yeah, you know? but I, have, I have the problem myself sometimes because um, I myself try to, uh, try to test my code as much as possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Set up unit testing and stuff like that because I love mm-hmm. uh, taking care of my code, uh, mm-hmm. even though I mm-hmm. focus more on the design part. But yeah, yeah, just focusing on my code, it's what I love to do. Yeah. And just giving the code to, let's say, Victor sometimes gives uh-huh. me the feeling that, oh, am I a good developer or am I a bad developer? Because he's yeah. constantly hit uh, finding issues and, and bugs. Um, I, I hear you, yeah. yeah and, and I, you know. Hmm? Oh, okay. Go ahead. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I believe it's very important that we that we um, change that attitude because uh, working together with with Victor sometimes actually <laughs> made me a better developer. Um, when I looked outside the box and uh, actually um, inherited what he actually saw the bugs, and I actually. Uh, remember that bugs in the next project, and I um, actually um, developed uh, from them. Uh, if you, um, how do you say? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I've also seen instances in in big companies, especially where it's almost like there's um, uh, an adversarial relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if if. If something happens later on and, say, users find an issue with the code, they start pointing fingers at each other. Yeah. Well, the testers were supposed to find that and they didn't. Or the testers say, well, the developers didn't do it right, you know? <laughs> yes. Is, is that, and that's a yeah. really bad attitude. I, I think that's something that especially big companies with um, with clear-cut, where the one department, you, you know, you have a department of testers and mm. another department of just developers. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's that's where it happens most because, you know, you have different bosses and, and it's the bosses really yeah. who point fingers at each other. And, the, and the, to... the best way is, of course, I believe, in my opinion, is to have an embedded tester in a team. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also it's it's very psychological, like... As a tester, I believe it's important that you make friends with the developers mm-hmm. uh, and really make sure that, hey, guys, we're on the same boat here. We're working together uh, to improve the quality of yeah. this product, of our product uh, that we are developing together. I will help you guys to find bugs and I will help you guys to prevent bugs from happening yeah. uh, bef- before it happens. And... and, uh, and um, I believe that it's really important that 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 you feel connected with each other, and and then I believe that will erase this 
tension between the developers and testers. Exactly. Is that why you call yourself a quality assistant and not a quality assurance, Victor? Yeah, like, well, I, I don't like the word quality assurance because it's, you know, I mean, you, you, you can't assure quality. No, exactly. <laughs> there will always be bugs. This is true. Uh, so, so the wording is not correct there. Uh, so I'd rather go for uh, quality assistance. I say mm -hmm. QA equals quality assistance rather than quality assurance. Yeah. And I uh, because I, I'll, I'll, I, I still keep using QA and, and some of my testers' colleagues, they say, oh, Victor, you shouldn't use QA because uh, everybody knows that it stands for quality assurance. Mm -hmm. But I say, no, it doesn't. It stands for, for me, it stands for quality assistance. And I wanted to use it still because people can... Uh, people know instantly what it's yeah. about. Okay, mm -hmm. it's about testing. It's about okay, cool. It's about quality. Right. Uh, because it's this this uh, word, this uh, abbreviation is so well rooted in in the community. Yeah. So, uh -huh. so, so but, what is the new buzzword? I mean, what what word would they rather use instead of QA? I mean, uh, they, you could use quality. I mean, at 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 hip companies like Spotify, they mm -hmm. say quality assistance. I see. Um, okay. And some, but but you know the, the the famous testers in the community, you know the big mm -hmm. guys like James mm -hmm. Park, Michael Bolton, all those guys, they just want to call it testing. Yeah, testing. but I, I, see, but, but I think the, the title title wise, it's a problem in the, the whole community because mm -hmm. I, sometimes I don't know if I should call myself a front end developer or I should call myself a hybrid developer slash designer or if I should just call me <laughs> a developer and yeah so I think right, it's, right. Um, uh, sometimes it's just not in the testing community that's uh, the uh, title wise it's a problem but uh, going back to the embedded tester as you talked about mm -hmm. Victor I think mm -hmm. it's important that uh, even though testers are in the process in the beginning um, testers should also be in the part of discussing the style guide for the project and the core features so you actually, as you say, are in the project at the beginning and not at some point in the project where you should start testing. Yeah, and like me as a software tester, I've reached uh, my highest level of success uh, when being a embedded software yeah. tester. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And it's most fun also. <laughs> it's much more fun. Uh, and you, and you, could be, uh, you could be a tester uh, in a team of three, four, five developers or so. Uh, I think that's that's pretty optimal. Um, and you take part of all the stand-ups and, and you're, you're, you are there from the beginning, yeah. from the very first bit of code that the developers write. Yeah, yeah. And you can pair up with the developers. He, he or she can help you uh, doing test scripts, like doing automated checks uh, mm -hmm. and... And also, that's 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 one thing that, uh, that that they are talking about in the community is that it's not automate test automation. That's not the correct word or uh, automated testing, mm -hmm. because uh, automation is not testing. It's basically just checking. You are checking the future, false or true. Yeah. Um, and um, so they want to move away from that uh, type of words, and instead they want to call it um, automated checks. Okay. So <laughs> I'm trying to uh -huh. say that myself now. <laughs> also, and so that means it, it makes sense, right? Okay, so you run the automated tests and then you <laughs> look at the results and analyze it. Is that what, what, what uh, ideally should happen? 
Yeah, I mean, um, if if you want to automate a, a certain feature, um, that's that's basically what you do. Um, okay. And what I'm saying is that I think it's important that the the tester sometimes pair up with a developer yeah. uh, in order to get the expertise and in order to get the support to create those scripts, mm-hmm. to create those checks, um, and and. I mean, vice versa, a developer can pair up with a tester to do some some testing of their code, some testing of their uh, of the features that they have in, implemented. Um, I I just think you know, sit together is 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 a great thing to do. But yeah, uh, one question though is how how do you like to work uh, in giving test reports? Because sometimes as a developer. Uh, I can get back some sort of Google spreadsheet doc uh, with the test report, and that can feel sometimes overwhelming. Um, and I myself like to work with some sort of Kanban board, um, and like for instance uh, GitHub issues. So, how do you like to actually deliver test reports? It can, it can, it can. Uh, it, it's always good to, you know, just deliver a list of of uh, the open issues, uh, what has been resolved, what is not yet, uh, not yet resolved, etc. Uh, but I also like to attach um, a mind map uh, that identify risk areas, or in this area we have found a lot of bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you you can color code the mind map. You yeah, can, exactly. You can you can, you can make uh, the high risk areas. You can make that red, uh, and and yellow and green and so forth. Um, and it's it's much more visual. Uh, it's easy to understand, and you instantly uh, get a grip of somewhat of the quality of the product. Yeah. Uh, the, the state of the product at the moment when it comes to testing. Um, I like to do that, uh, and it, it works better in smaller groups. Um, but you know, uh, and 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 this is something you can you can uh, attach to a mail thread, but you could also just put it up on your uh, on your board, on your mm-hmm. Kanban board, if yeah. you have a physical yeah. board uh, uh, at your office. That's that's even better. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally, because the process becomes more of a uh, integrated. Uh, way to work than just delivering a whole mm-hmm. uh, spreadsheet of bugs right yeah and yeah. and 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 uh, you also address yourself as a, as a smart tester you're yeah. actually thinking <laughs> totally. when you're testing and not only pr- uh, producing doing test list. scripts yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you you're like if you can express uh, the 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 status in in a written format uh, mm-hmm. a couple of lines in a mind map, uh, that's really, really good. Um, so yeah, that, that's something that I prefer doing, actually. Awesome, awesome. And I think that that's what that's what uh, separates a good tester from a from an awesome tester like you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's you know it's it's it, it's fun, and I I think uh, one important thing you should think of as a tester is to always try new ideas, mm-hmm. interact with people, uh, try different things. Sometimes it, you you will fail, <laughs> you will fail a lot, but you'll learn a lot from failing. You uh, you learn extremely much, yeah. uh, and that's what keeps you 
uh, improving all the time. And mm -hmm. that's what keeps you thinking that, wow, this is really fun. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I think that applies to practically any career, Yeah, you know? And I, I think that's a very good, um, very good way of looking at things. Very good attitude. Yeah, totally. But as we're still at it, maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about what success means to you. For me personally, um, I think... You know, um, I've been working in the industry for a long time now. I, I keep saying long time, and I don't want to say exactly how long. Okay. <laughs> but but um, I think at this point in my life, success to me is enjoying my work, um, feeling a personal pride in what I achieve. Yeah. It's not even about – well, it, to a certain extent, it's what other people say about your work. You know, I, I like it very much when people um, give feedback and tell me that what it is I did right. And also, you know, even what um, telling me what it is I did wrong because I learned from that. So yeah, um, I like to get feedback. And yeah. I think it, it, it contributes to my growth. Exactly. And, mm. and it makes me a better person and a better technical writer. Totally. And it's a great way to actually measure your progress in life and, yeah, and, mm -hmm. and your career, actually. So... Uh, yep. But yeah, Marisa, getting back to gaming again. Um, uh-huh. Because that's a very interesting topic, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of um, discussion going on with the mm -hmm. topic of Gamergate. Um, oh, yeah. Could you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about, about what that is? Yeah, sure. Um, it's it's a topic that's gotten really out of hand. Mm -hmm. um, I think not just here in the U.S., but but worldwide as well. I know that that it's hit Sweden as well. That you yeah, guys are talking about it there too. Have, yeah. Well, what do you mean? What it's have gotten out of hand? <laughs> well, it's the thing is that this this um, whole. Uh, controversy really started with a female game developer yeah. who broke up with their boyfriend which is a really stupid thing for for you know an issue like this to to sprout from okay, but yeah. that's how it started uh -huh. so she broke up with her boyfriend and the boyfriend was kind of upset about it so he wrote this blog and he named names he named that person i don't even want to say her name because yeah. it's just you know <laughs> it it has nothing to do with with the issue no. so um he mentioned her name and then he mentioned the names of all the the guys that she supposedly slept with mm. so and, and you know because it was a big juicy piece of gossip people started talking about it and on in reddit and on 4chan which is which by itself you know is it, it's i i stay away from it but anyway yeah. um so uh so he he named names and one of the names happened to be a game journalist uh, it was a guy who wrote re game reviews for Kotaku. Oh, okay. should I even mention Kotaku? Well, yeah, it's well known anyway. So, um, so then people jumped uh, jumped in on the discussion, saying that, well, she's a developer and she was working on this big game, and this guy reviewed that game. So, uh, you know that that supposedly throws. Uh, 
some bad light on game journalism and and how biased it is mm-hmm. and how biased they are towards developers, you know, stuff like that. So so that's how the controversy grew. And then all of a sudden it became gamers against game developers, which is really stupid because they really should be, you know, supporting each other. Yeah. I mean with that game developers, what would the gamers do? And vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then, um, and then I think, I, I think it really became bad when, when these gamers um, started, um, started posting bad stuff about, about this female game developer. Mm-hmm. And then it became all about all female game developers. And every time someone would, would voice something, an opinion that was in defense of the female game developer. They would um, go out of their way to expose this person, to um, find all the bad stuff they could about this person, mm-hmm. to to um, publicize their home address, and then they. It was just, you know, it was just a bad story all around. They started attacking people personally. And, and then um, every time a, an article would be posted, um, you know, uh, defending one side or the other, uh, the comments would just snowball from there. You know, yeah, they would just go totally. downhill. People would start calling people names. And then pretty soon... Um, advertisers started pulling out of um, well-known sites like Gamasutra and um, VentureBeat. Oh, and okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember which, which uh, advertiser uh, withdrew from, from VentureBeat, but mm-hmm. I know there was one. And, and then Intel withdrew from Gamasutra. And they've seen, they've since... Um, uh, Re- re-advertised, so they they <laughs> they um, let back and and put their advert advertisements back into Gama Sutra, but but you know it was such a big deal, mm. and I think it's it's a really silly uh, controversy because, like I said, you know gamers shouldn't be fighting with game developers, and game developers shouldn't be fighting with gamers because their their livelihood. Well, as far as game developers are concerned, their livelihood depends on the gamers. Yeah. And where are gamers going to be without the games, right? Exactly. But I think Gamergate yeah. has taken another turn here in, in Sweden, actually. Here's the focus on mm-hmm. uh, girls playing games and guys sexually harasses them uh, during playing the games and um, oh, okay. in the chats. And um, so that's, I think Gamergate has become some sort of guys against women uh, in the gamer mm-hmm. community. Um, and yeah, which, don't you think it's silly too? But I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> of course it's silly. <laughs> uh, and that's why we're taking this up, uh, because we'd like to discuss this with you. Because here in Sweden, um, girls are actually leaving the gaming uh, community. Oh, wow, that's sad. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very sad. It's really sad. And I actually have a friend of mine as well to actually give up um uh gaming uh, because mm-hmm. she didn't she couldn't take the um yeah the, the sexual harassment um yeah as a as a female gamer myself you know and <laughs> like i said i used to run this blog called femalegamer.com mm-hmm. and i thought it was because you know i did that because i thought that 
women gamers weren't being uh, appreciated enough. In the first place, developers weren't really... I mean, most of the games being developed... Um, within the last 10 years or so, have always been geared towards male gamers. Um, But then, you know, I think we kind of found our niche. Um, I think there are a lot of women gamers in MMOs. And and I think there's a certain aspect of... um, of RPGs and MMOs that really appeal to women gamers. Mm. And that's the reason for that. But um, on the other hand, uh, although I I do have a lot of uh, male gamer friends and, and I think they do respect women in general, but you do find the occasional asshole. I'm sorry if I'm, (laughs) am I supposed to say that word? No, it's okay. Are you going to bleep that? No, no, no. Uh, This will be marked as ex. Explicit yeah. <laughs> content. Yeah, well, I, I think it's um, a great way to put it actually to call them assholes because yeah, um, um, yeah, you you'll find the occasional jerk out there who yeah. you know just uh, be so insecure as to bash women and say, oh no, you're just you're just a girl. You can't mm. really do what I can do. Exactly. You know. You're not as good as I am. Or on the other hand, which is worse, sexually harass them. Yeah. Um, But you said that... that, Sorry, Victor? Sorry. Uh, Marissa, do you think there is many uh, female gamers out there that sort of... They try to hide their identity. Uh, Uh They... they don't want to address themselves as women uh, uh, when they're playing online games. Um, and that they rather um, appear as a guy while playing um, yeah. games. Um, I don't think uh, so much uh, appear as a guy, you know, or, or pretend to be a guy. But mm-hmm. but I know that I know a lot of women, and I was one of those actually in the early early stages when I was just starting to play online games. Mm-hmm. I had um, an online persona, and I was very protective of my true identity. Uh, I didn't want people to know my real name or how old I was or where I lived. And and that was because I was afraid of being um, being harassed yeah. or being, you know, um, targeted by predators. <laughs> I think that was that was my greatest fear. You know, uh, uh, I heard all these stories about weirdos. But then um, when I as I got to know more people online, I thought, well, this is not so bad, you know. These these guys actually became my friends. I mm. mean, real life friends. So so then I became more open. But I do see, especially young women, they they do get targeted, mm. and they do get unwanted attention. So they they tend to hide behind that persona, that online persona. Yeah. But on the other hand, you also get a lot of women who like the attention, who um, who actually ask for it, yeah. you know, and create a lot of drama online. Yeah, but I don't think that uh, it's that's common. That's common, no. But uh, here in mm-hmm. Sweden, it's becoming more common that you actually don't uh, use a username that's uh, that can that can identify you, you as a female. Girl, yeah, 92. exactly. Oh, um, and. Um, Coming back to that, that you said that there are games that are more appealing to to females, um, mm-hmm. isn't that a kind of big problem nowadays? Because 
isn't it more important that game developers, game designers, and script manuscripts um, actually write um, becomes more naturalized and um, more appealing for both genders? Well, I think it all boils down to the money. Mm-hmm. You know what makes more money, oh, yeah. and and I have a feeling that well, I don't know, I. I don't want to sound sexist, no. okay. <laughs> but, but I think that there are just some games that appeal more to men, like, you know, like Battlefield, that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. Uh, Call of but... Duty. And it makes a lot of money because men, I think, are more willing to spend their money on games than women are. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's true. And um, I don't know. I, I say this and people laugh at me or they think I'm so archaic for thinking this. But I think men have more uh, free time to spend on games okay. yeah. than women. Mm-hmm. Especially women who have careers and families at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. It's supposed to be equal, right? I mean, guys are also supposed to take care of the kids, but that's not what always happens. Guys are also supposed to cook, you know, (laughs) or to clean the house, but that's not what always happens. So you know what we have in reality. Uh, (laughs) We actually have uh, parental leaves for uh, parental leave for for daddies. For, for 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 fathers. Oh yeah, okay. They, That's they awesome. are allowed to stay. How many months is it, jo- Johnny? Oh, Quite a few months. Um, I'm not having kids myself, so I have to Google that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I heard the same thing about Australia. Actually, yeah. I think they um, they have like paternity leaves, right? Paternity leave, yeah. One and a half year, so you can actually split it up fifty fifty. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. nice. So you're getting okay. paid by actually taking care of your children. So. Um, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Uh, they don't have that here in the U.S. Yeah, I know. And not, not too many countries have that, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But that's um, nice. Yeah, but uh, going getting back to that, I think uh, gaming is becoming more and more um, popular by girls in Sweden. Um, so that's why I think you seeing that. Um, I don't see uh, this. The problem doesn't appear as big in. The states mm-hmm. as it is in here. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's great discussing this with you, actually, because um, I think it's uh, great to see it from the other a side of the, the yeah, the world. a different perspective. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Maybe we should start to wrap up. Wrap this up. Um, it was uh, it was great having you on our podcast, Marissa. Thank you. It was great being here. I'm glad I got to talk to you guys. Yeah. Yeah, I believe we had a very interesting chat. Yes. Um, hopefully we can do this uh, again. Oh, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we will continue to do these podcasts. Um, we would just like to wish you the very best of luck with your career as a technical writer. Thank um, you so also, I hope to see you again uh, do some more game reviews. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> I've read a few of yours and I really enjoyed them. Yeah, and Thank we will, we will totally link to your blog or your some uh, some of your reviews and Twitter if you have that in the description. Um, it was great uh, that you're listening to our podcast. Uh, I'm Johnny Jiao at Twitter. Awesome. And I'm Roller89 at Twitter. And you are? And I am Trinity Divine on Twitter. Nice. 
but yeah guys it was great and um, thank you for listening and see you next time bye bye Na 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 na